Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this Episode 12 We are back Yes, we are We are back And there's actually, I, th- I thought about like What song, besides our theme song, can we play to say And I don't think anyone's going to know this, but You have no idea what that's from, for sure. You're too young. But anyways, they played at the Leaf game, so some people will know it. Welcome back, Cotter. Very, very long time ago. So it's on the came out, but welcome back. Dan does have no idea what to say. We took a quite long hiatus, but we are back. And uh, I think the best feeling is when people are messaging us saying, like, where's the pod been? You know? <laughs> why are you just staring at me like that? <laughs> I just want to see what you're going to say, because we've been gone for so long. We have. And a lot of people have been messaging me. And um, I, think, I feel like it's episode one right now. I'm just like a little nervous, you know? I was super excited. I was, the, the juices were flowing. I had so many ideas yesterday. But uh, we're going we're gonna to have a full day of uh, recording and come out with lots of episodes and a lot of good things on the go. But let's get into it. Today, we have another special guest. Should we talk about that due to the demand, we had to migrate to a larger studio? <laughs> <laughs> It's more yes, space. we have a very, very, very special guest today. I don't really know if he knows what he's in for, but I guess we'll just let it happen. Depends what direction we Our very own Max the Producer. Max hey the Producer. Max, there tell us is. a little bit about yourself, man. So, uh, 26 years old. I went to Laurier for university. I was there for four years. Uh, after that, I my family in Florida, I'm going to probably talk about them a few times here, but my family in Florida are private lenders, mainly in the southern Florida region. I mean, I've kind of been around that lifestyle for as long as I could pretty much remember. So from a young age, I mean, beginning of high school, going down to Florida, I was really interested, like, what are they doing? How are they making money? What's it like down there in terms of learning, even learning about little things like what is loan to value? What are you comfortable lending to? So these are things that I started learning at a relatively young age. And as I was going to university, kind of the thing on my mind was how am I going to get into this industry without actually having to move to Florida? Because that's where they were. And I really wasn't interested in doing that just yet. So when school ended, I did happen to go down there for about six months. I really wanted to just learn as much as I possibly could. I was living with my family, going to work with them every day, on the road some days, in the office some days, cold calling some days, really whatever it took, whatever it took for me to learn more is what I was going to do. So that was awesome. I ended up coming back here shortly after that six-month stint, and I joined a different brokerage. And unfortunately, I mean, great guys. It just wasn't the right fit for me because of how kind of raw I was in the industry, especially in Canada, because I was learning everything in Florida, that the training just wasn't there. And I really felt like it wasn't the right place for me. And at that point, I was a little demotivated, which wasn't awesome. But uh, I took a job working downtown as an insurance underwriter which was also pretty short-lived as well. It was about eight, nine months. And I realized, you know what? I need to go back to mortgages. That's the place for me. And it happened to be that my, my girlfriend's friend's dad was a private lender in Toronto. And I was talking to him on and off because private lending was really the only part of mortgages I knew. And it turned out that he was, he was willing to kind of take me under his wing and show me the ropes, teach me how it kind of goes down uh, up here versus in Florida. And I was there for about a year and a half. Really, really awesome. Really, really awesome experience. I can't say enough good things about that that part of my career journey. Learned an absolute ton. Really enjoyable. And then, I mean, I've been I've been friends with Daniel 
since I want to say beginning of high school. And we've been in constant contact throughout this whole period, really. And he came to me. I mean, COVID kind of ha- was happening and my business was slowing down quite a bit. And then we kept talking and he's like, you should come to Clear Trust. There's more opportunity. You have the opportunity to place residential mortgages at the bank, the B lenders, and you still have all that, that world of private with you as well. And that's really when we sat down and I made the decision to come here. I know that was a little lengthy, but that's pretty much No, no, uh, no. That's what it's all about. It's great. That's the story. My girlfriend called, but I didn't put her on silent. <laughs> that's, that's a big problem. I know. They're going to hear it in the background. The listeners are going to hear that one. That's okay. But we'll, it's okay. We'll, the story was too good. We can't redo yeah, it. I think they'll so. forgive us. We can't redo so it. And she's allowed to call, so it's, it's yeah, okay. Of course. Lots to dive into from a, from a background. And obviously, I think we, you know, we were able to meet from doing privates and we we were all accustomed to you and seeing you and you were very, you were very working very closely with the brokerage at the time. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, you weren't really the, the way that most people have joined us have been from the banks. And so you coming in, which is intriguing, which is why we wanted to talk to you. Not only are you in your first full year, but I want to dive into a little bit. You were in the private sector and for you to move from the private sector to become a full Mortgage broker, full agent, service, yeah. right? Full service is an intriguing story. So, what you know, what was going through your head to want to make that jump? Obviously, you quickly touched upon it, where, where you have you know solutions for all your clients. But secondly, what excited you about it? And then you know we can kind of dive into what the biggest challenges were because there's obviously going to be some challenges, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there were there were quite a bit of challenges, of course. But the main thing for me is that when I was working with the private lender. It was such a niche product that I was looking to I was looking to place deals with. So we were looking at, for example, mainly commercial deals, which already, if you're looking at only commercial, you're shrinking the amount of like your your potential is it's much smaller just because the deals, there's fewer deals out there than when you're looking at residential. So commercial deals, generally we're looking at 65, I mean 70% absolute maximum loan to value, which relatively is on the lower side, especially compared to some of the other privates out there. And in terms of pricing, the pricing was fair, just not the most competitive out there. So the product was good. It just wasn't, it wasn't a product that I could kind of sell to anybody. It was very specific for very specific borrowers who did exist. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't, it wasn't enough volume of deals for me to really see myself succeeding with this lender. And these were some concerns that I brought up to Daniel kind of when I was working there, because it happened to be that we were closing a deal together where he brought a deal that we were closing on the private side with me. And throughout that process, I just realized I'm like, there's so much more out there, so much more potential being somewhere like Clear Trust, that's a full service brokerage that I I just had to, I took that leap of faith, I guess you can call it. And I, I couldn't be happier with that decision. If you don't mind, Paul. It's all you. I, I just I want to kind of strip away some of the part of my French, not so much BS, but we see this all the time where People get into this industry and they uh, join a lender who's also a brokerage that can do both. And they take on the role to become sort of like a quote unquote business development manager, which is what Max was. Focusing only on privates. And Paul, you and I have seen this way too many times where they're intaking a thousand applications a year and they're closing 6% of them. Now people come into this business, say privates are the most lucrative and this is where the money's at and they're, they're easiest. But I say absolutely not. They're probably the hardest files to do. They're difficult to place. They're expensive. 
listen, if your clients needs it, needs it, I get it. I got no problem with it. But if you're going to focus on being a business development manager for the person who's lending out the private funds, and to add on top of that, a niche product with not competitive pricing, like where does that put you? And Maxi, I think that over the year that you worked with that private lender, not to say that he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he's very successful. He's very smart. He knows his field. Uh, he's been around the block for many, many years. But for you, it just made no sense. And at the end of the day, you need to put bread on the table. And it just wasn't happening. So I think that you took a step back to look at all your options to say, I don't want to be a business development manager. I don't want to run every single file by somebody who can tell me that yes or no. I'd like to be able to offer an array of products and services to clients. I'd like to make decisions. I'd like to speak to banks directly. And I'd like to open up my horizon. And that's what kind of swayed you to say, I got to stop this. This has to end. I need to start, you know, putting bread on the table. And that's the way I look at it, aside from, from the way you just explained it. Yeah, what I like about this episode is uh, the other guests that we've had, most of them from the brokerage, have been mortgage specialists. And so for you, you did privates. We can say, yeah, you had experience in mortgages, but technically you were only reviewing mostly commercial files in the private space, and you were doing a different underwriting than when you came here. So walk us through what the learning curve looked like for you, because now you've got to start learning GDS, TDS, policies, procedures, you're already good with relationship management. So reaching out to the different BDMs and partners of, of the, the banks wasn't an issue for you because you're just, I mean, you have that, right? You have the, the positive attitude, but walk us through a little bit about that. Cause I think our listeners would really enjoy hearing from someone. And, and I know Dan, we have a list of more brokers, successful brokers that did not come from the kind of traditional banking mortgage space. And, and I think it's good to hear Max's story from that perspective. Yeah, it's funny you bring up GDS, TDS. I mean, when I was working with the private lender, I couldn't tell you what that meant unless I remembered it from the course because it just wasn't really something that we talked about. So the learning curve, although it was steep, if I feel like it's something that you really, you really learn it. You learn it pretty quickly once you start actually underwriting files. So yes, I know Dan always said to me, read the broker kits. You have to talk to the BDMs, read the broker kits, which I tried my best to gain as much knowledge from that as I can. But I will tell you that once I started underwriting my first two or three files, that's when it really became real for me in terms of learning the information because I was seeing it. And I was understanding how does, how does a car payment affect your TDS or how does the, the property taxes affect this and that. And that's when you really understand how to underwrite files on the, I guess, full service, the A or B side which I found really, really helpful. And since then, I mean, we talk about it all the time, how every file is different. And I feel like, I feel like I'm never going to stop learning in terms of how to do mortgages because every time I see a file, it's never the same as the one I did before. So you're always learning new stuff. I feel like it's just an accumulation of knowledge that really continues on every deal you do. You kind of just pull more and more out of each deal. Before we dive into the day-to-day, because I think we really got to pull more out of that, right? Mm-hmm. I broke one of my biggest rules, which is using short forms. I know I always tell you guys What'd that. What'd you say? Well, TDS. Oh, yeah. TDS, Total Debt yeah, Servicing. Yeah, 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 and BDM, yeah. Business Development Managers for the banks. Really bring us into, you know, that's it's holistically, you gave us a view of what you do and, you know, the learning curve and all that stuff that you enjoy about it. But you come into a brand new role where before you had a bunch of brokers reaching out to you saying, hey, Max, look at this deal. Can you do it? And now you got to go out and get business. What did those first three months look like you? What, you know, what business activities were you doing? Yeah, great question again. And what I really focused on is 
how can I leverage my network of not just business relationships, but family and friends relationships? And how could I leverage those people to help me get introduced to people who could refer me business? And the reason that I really wanted to take that approach as opposed to the cold calling slash trying to reach out to random people kind of approach is because I'm, I feel like I'm a very personable guy. And if I can get that warm lead, I'm really confident in myself that I can kind of build a relationship with that person that will be mutually beneficial for both of us. So those for the first three months I was here, it was really just who do I know that could put me in touch with somebody who could send me business. A couple examples of that is uh, my girlfriend's brother's realtor. He's selling. So my girlfriend's brother's selling his house. Hey, can I meet your realtor? I'm actually doing the mortgage on that side. We get a, that's a, that was my first real opportunity to work with somebody who was referred to me. And ever since that time, I mean, he's been one of my great realtors and we work together on a bunch of files. We're constantly talking, building that relationship. Some other ways that I met people was through my either university network when I was at university and going to camp for as long as I did. I went to a summer camp for about 10 years, really leveraging those two networks as well. Because although when you're at camp, yes, you might only be hanging out with people your age, you're younger. But once you graduate, it's a really great opportunity to network with people, you know, three, four, five years older than you or younger than you. So a couple of my awesome realtors came from people I went to camp with that I didn't even know back in the day. But because you have something in common, I find it so easy to really relate on something and then build a relationship together. So although cold calling is effective for some people, for me, it was all about leveraging family, friends, and past business clients. Also, I want to note my dad owns a bunch of restaurants in Toronto, and that was a huge point for me as well. So I've been working at those restaurants since I'm a kid. I mean, weekends, summers, all that stuff. And I feel like the community there, they really know me as a person, which, is, which I've been trying to kind of turn into know me as a mortgage agent. So what I did was, I mean, I do a ton of marketing through the store. I have, I think it's a 12 foot long sign hanging in the store with my face on it and kind of what I do. So it talks about mortgages and had all that good stuff. I give out cards that it's almost like a business card, but it's a little bit bigger. It's like a postcard. And what it does is it has all my personal information on it, but it also has keep this card and redeem for, you know, six free bagels at the restaurant. And what that does for me is that it really forces people to keep the card. So using the restaurant to my disposal has been something that I've been doing since day one, which maybe you can relate to with your family restaurant as well. Absolutely. I love it. You know, once again, the top four things for you and, you know, for anyone at home that's listening, that's making notes, that's coming in, warm leads. And that's something that we really talk about, Dan. I know you and I, from both the coaching perspective, both a number one activity, and I know it can be considered old school, but the warm leads, I'll take those any day over a web lead. It's just bottom line. People can disagree. That's the, that's the number one thing. And warm leads are getting in front of people through introductions of those that you know. Relationship building, Maxi, obviously, I think that's a major focus for you. Positive attitude, very likable guy. I think you focus on building those relationships. Tapping into the network. Again, when you come in, you got to make a list. You know, you, I know we'll dive into how you got into these activities because obviously you're sitting beside your mentor and your leader. University, camps, I was gonna family say, restaurants. I was going to say, those are some really great activities. You know, community. <laughs> I, we know where they came from. But, and then the last one is investing in your business, which is also a staple of the excellence of execution that you're sitting beside and marketing in areas that people know you. And I think that's so key because what I tend to find from, and obviously so much has happened since we last recorded and I've done a ton of interviews and, and talked to so many people. And 
what I hear more from, from agents is, oh, I'm marketing on this website or I'm doing this or I'm handing out those. And it's like, you got to go to areas that people are going to recognize you that know you, right? Dan, I know you drop off flyers. I know a lot of people drop off flyers or you do joint marketing, which can be an intelligent idea, but you got to do it in areas that you're either farming or that people know you because when they recognize your face, Max, in the restaurant, oh, I know that guy. It's not just a random flyer where we get 15 to 20 real estate flyers you know, every day in the mail. Am I going to call them or am I going to call someone that's trusted? So right. not to say it's a waste of money because it's not. I think it's just got to be more strategic. So I love those things. Let's dive a little bit more into those because right now you've done over 10 mil halfway through the year. Uh, I hope you don't mind me saying you're on pace to do 20 mil your no. first full year, which is in Dan's words, not as good as, as, as he'd like. I'm, I'm but just going to stay you know, quiet during this portion, if that's okay. Sure. No problem. So I think, you know what, for me, in, in someone's first full year, I expect them to do about 15. Otherwise, I won't take them on. Dan is going to push a little bit more. But for any of the listeners, you know, that's, that's really what the, the, t- you know, the table stakes are. So these activities have been great. We kind of drilled into the top four. Learning from Dan. And Dan, I, I have a question for you. Be- and then Max will throw it to you so we can get Dan talking a little bit. Yeah. So me and Max, big sports guy. Dan, because naturally you've been hanging out with us, you're trying to get into a little bit more. Wayne Gretzky failed. One of the best players failed as a coach. Agree? Disagree? Yeah. Right? Michael Jordan, did he ever coach? I don't know if he coached, but one of the greatest. He was a, not to give everything that we do, but he was more of a, I can't remember the word, but it's, he was a consultant on the back end. So what he wasn't on the forefront leading, but right. a lot of things were being ran by right. him. So Max, you run me through, because you, you have some other sports. One of, some of the best players in the world in any sport, just come into coaching and just doesn't go very well. Or Yeah, know. I mean, look at, uh, I'm trying to think of quick examples here, but. It's got to be something even, in football, no? Yeah, even like a Mike Singletary coached the Chicago Bears. It didn't go well. But I mean, this is a guy who was a, a all-time linebacker. For yeah, but game. how much pressure is on these guys that are all-star players that become coaches to do well, where even coaches that are coaches are getting fired every day? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a very tough industry. Very, but, yeah. but just play along with me for, yeah, yeah, for a no second problem. here, okay? So then there's people like Zinedine Zidane, who was an incredible midfielder, yeah, soccer John Jimmy player. Buffon. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he's been, a, and he's done very well as a coach. But anyways, my point to the matter is, is that not all of the best performers in their craft, especially on the sports side, can start coaching and leading. And I mean, they can be leaders on the field during that, but actually taking a formal role. You have done this and uh, you've grown a team. And so from your perspective, why do you think you have been able to translate the success in your business and passing it on to people that are under you? I, you weren't expecting that. No, I'd really like to hear from Max because I actually, in my calendar, have about to send out, like I'm being serious right now, two coaching sessions to both the team members to say, you're going to coach me. So it's going to be a coaching for July and it's also going to be for you. And then it's going to be for me. Coach to coach? Coach to coach. Okay. I'm really interested to hear what he has to say. And I'll be very honest. I'm not as patient as some leaders are. I don't like to repeat myself like some leaders do. I expect a lot like other other leaders don't. If I take somebody on, it's because I see some potential in them. And in the beginning... There was definitely some frustration on both ends, but 
everything I do, I do from the heart. And I take my time and I don't rush anything. And I want them to succeed more than I want myself to succeed. My, my statement to everybody that ever comes to ask of advice is that I want you to beat me. But I'm not sitting here and saying that I'm the, the best of the best or the cream of the crop, but I'm working towards the people that have said it to me. So I pass it forward and I say, you can do anything you want to come to achieve. I will help you. But if I see that it's being taken for granted or not implemented, I'm done. And I don't think that all leaders do that. And you know what? I don't know if I could call myself a leader yet. Yes, I am in that role. But I think that title is deserving and earned, not given. So I'm working towards it. I've gotten to the point where I'm understanding more. I'm more sympathetic. I sometimes have to put my foot down. And, and, and to be honest with you, it's very challenging for me because I want to give the answer, but I know that it doesn't do any good, but, but it works. So I'm learning through trial and error and I'm very observant. I'm extremely, extremely observant and I ask a ton of questions. So if you think back to our, our times together, I mean, even before any of this happened, how many questions would I ask you that have nothing to do with how to get business and how you would position things and, and how you would phrase things and, and how to come across as not being as a jerk, but really trying to sympathize with the person and, and help the person. So um, I'm really doing a lot of learning. And, and what it's done for me is it's helped me understand who I am and what I want to do. And when Max, you were talking about, you know, I don't want a cold call and I don't want to do the cold stuff and I don't want to do the, the web, whatever. But in order for you to realize that, you had to do it. And that's my biggest thing is throw everything at the wall, see what sticks, because otherwise, how are you going to know? So when I have an agent coming into me saying, I'm not going to cold call, say, get out of my office. If you're not <laughs> going to try and you're not going to put in the effort, I have no time for you. And I know that I'm very blunt that way. And it's not the way most leaders are, but it just who I am and I don't want to change because it's, it's proved to be somewhat effective and will continue to be effective as I continue to learn more and, you know, grow and mature and develop. And then it's forever until the day I die. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. It's uh, you know, once again, I relate to sports. There's some of those coaches that will hold you accountable. And that's, I think, I think that's the best way to position it where they ride you and because they want to get the most performance out of you. And there's some that will, there's some, in any industry that are going to cower away from that because they don't want, they don't want that. And then there's some that are going to take it and that's going to, what's going to bloom the best of them for, you know, for you, if I, if I take it back to when I was coaching you, I'll never, you know, it is almost every coaching session where it's all right, you know, what could I be doing better? And you would challenge me to find something. And there was times where I'd sit with you with clients and you did an excellent job. And you're like, no, no, I don't want to hear what I did well. I want to hear what I did, what I didn't do well. And uh, it's just your makeup. And once again, this is a personality business. Being a leader in general is, is knowing how to get the best out of people. And, and, that's, and that's good. So Max, we got to hear from you now, Yeah, obviously. So take it away. I really believe that the reason Dan has been such an amazing leader for me. Don't, 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 don't be honest. I'm going to be 100% Okay, honest. thank you. I promise. Just, I bleed the truth, please. I'm going to bleed it. Okay. Sugarcoat it. Don't sugarcoat <laughs> it. The reason I truly believe that Dan has been such a good leader for me is because... See how it went from amazing to good? 
such a good good such goods goods are right goods the right such answer at this stage let's not push it you just said that's you don't a, know if you're a leader yet. now you want the guy to I'm say saying. amazing i'm about to say a really a lot of really nice stuff well oh listen, here we go Max, don't just say nice Pour stuff. It on us. it's all the truth okay the okay. reason i believe you're such a good leader especially for me is because i could feel how genuine the advice and the the path that you put me on it's so obvious that you believe in it so much so it's not like it's not hypocritical in some ways when you see a lot of people giving you advice, but that they don't take themselves. All the advice you give me, I know you've either done or you are continuing to do. And there's a reason for each piece of it, which is why I really do take everything you tell me to heart because I know that there's a reason you're telling me to either do it, whether it's going to succeed or fail. There's always a reason behind. You're not going to waste my time. So if you're telling me to do something that I know there's value there. And that's what's so important to me. Again, like the position that you're in right now in terms of a player in this industry, you're so meticulous with your your scheduling, your re- your daily routine, and all this stuff that I know if 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 I could just pull pieces from you and apply it to my life, even if I have to change it a little bit to fit kind of what I want to be do more what I want to be doing, I know that if I take pieces from you, it's going to work for me somehow, some way. It will work for me. And again, like Paul, you talked about my year to date where I'm at, and I know like even you even you said like Daniel's not going to talk during. He said he's not going to talk during that part because. Although yes, 10 million is awesome. And if I hit 20 million this year, that's awesome as well. One of the reasons, another reason why having Dan as a leader is that he doesn't allow me the opportunity to be like, let's go, let's go celebrate because you hit 10 million and let's take like, let's take a week off or let's take a few days off. And I know deep down he's happy. Like he can say whatever he wants. I know he's proud. I know he's happy. He's seeing me do well, which I appreciate, but he's never going to show it. But I almost prefer that because it pushes me to continue to do more and more and more, which is what I think separates Daniel from other agents. And I think that's what's going to separate me and our fellow teammates from other agents as well. It's just a combination of kind of taking as much as I can from the way he runs his business and the way that he really grew his business. And how could I apply it to myself? Look at Danny using strategic motivation. Eh? Didn't you used to love that when I used to play was, with you a little it bit? It was my eh? favorite. Eh? I hated it. Yeah, you and like, then once you I like realized it, it, I figured I, I mean, liked it. Too many of our agents listen to this, so now they're going to know what I do when uh, <laughs> when it's called strategic motivation. Honestly, I think we've learned a ton. I don't, Dan. Do you want Do you want to add any pieces before I, we kind of move? I just I just think that it goes beyond mortgage brokering when it comes to the way I run my my coachings and the way I give advice because this business, like Paul likes to say, is not for the faint of heart. And different personalities come my way and it's, it's very challenging to kind of mold them to understand the type of business that we're in because when I, and I, and I'm very transparent about this. When I signed up for this business, I had no idea it was going to be this stressful, but it's stressful. It goes well beyond that. And, and I love the opportunity to learn from all the guys that I bring on because just because they're learning from me doesn't mean I'm not learning from them. And I like to have a, uh, an array of people and an array of business tactics that I can kind of interchange between everybody and, and play around and kind of fit pieces together because different things work for different people and how could it work for you? And, and I love giving them ideas of how to, you know, bring their game to the next level by little things like, you know, Maxi with the, with the, with the cards, right? Have a perforated line, leave your name so that they can, when they, when they give it to, to the restaurant, make them rip it off so that you have an email phone number and a, and a name so you can get in touch with them. Otherwise you're just giving out free bagels, right? Little things like that. And I always tell everybody, and I'm very upfront about this. If I'm telling you to do something, it's not because I haven't done it. I'm in there in the trenches with you every single day. And if I'm telling you to do it, trust me, I've done it 
it's work. And if it doesn't work for you, let's regroup. Let's figure out what's going to work and let's figure this out and let's, let's get it. It's been such of a joy watching you pass on all this stuff and the passion you have for it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, man. Yeah, Honestly. I, I'll say, I'll keep saying it I'll, off the podcast. I keep saying it, but you ask any, any of my friends, family members, like I haven't been this happy being employed anywhere in my entire life. And a lot of, I mean, 90% of that's credited to Dan specifically. I know he always says, like, I'm always just saying nice things. I don't say anything rude, but it's the truth. I mean, I don't, if I tell him this all the time, if you offered me a job at any other brokerage in Canada, I wouldn't even listen to it because I don't think there's a better spot for me anywhere. That I believe. When you say you always say the truth, like when he takes a bad golf shot and you say it's still okay, when yeah. it's not bad, that's a lie. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm you getting are. A lot You're better. getting a lot better. You're getting a lot better. You're getting a lot better. There's so much to dive into, Max. You got to stick around. We got some more episodes coming 100%. up. Uh, some really good things coming. And no, that was a really, that was a really was a great really episode. episode. Yeah, Max, that was awesome. Thanks for joining. And and I'd like to have Max on when he's doing fifty million next year, and we can talk about we can kind of replay snippets of this episode. Five zero or five zero. That'll be an even better episode. That might be twenty twenty five, Max. Wow, Paul, Paul you gonna take uh, Max? Oh, you think, gonna take? That? I think you had me doing ten mil this whole year. So I mean, you gotta you gotta eventually. No, I told break. Daniel if you. I think I pegged you at eighteen. No, I no, I put eighteen. You pegged him at twelve. You had me at twelve, and I, I told you eighteen minimum. Twelve, but you pegged but, him at twelve. But I think I think our actual like bet <laughs> data was Max, eighteen. Max, Max, Max. When I joined, yeah. If you remember the first episode, there was the the process of getting hired. In my second interview, I got pegged at fifteen million I know. tops. I know. I did 15 million last month. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Really quick. I remember Dan called me. He said, look, Paul has the projections for this year. He has you at 12 million. He's like, what do you think about that? I'm like, honestly, like, I think it's low, but I mean, I don't want to be lost crazy. It. I lost. He it. goes, Max, if you do, if you do 12 million, you're fired. Like you're, you're not. Yeah, but guys, just put on your thinking cap. What, what do you think the rationale behind that was? Obviously. I guess it was to motivate, which obviously is the, it's working. I truly believe you do like 18, but anyways. That's a now that he's at 10. That's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, 8 million over the last six months. That's so, like betting the halves when they're up. Yeah. <laughs> the Actually, next game. episode, we got to talk about all the things that have happened since we last mm. recorded. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you. All right, guys. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. Give you one more night. One more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down, let's get down to business